As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. Let's just sing that verse together as a closure of that song, uh, just a cappella, if you will. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Have you ever met somebody that has just an innate ability to suck the energy right out of a room. I mean, their favorite cartoon character is Eeyore. And their favorite song is Taps. You ever met that kind of person? So, <laughs> that's pretty bad when your favorite song is Taps, yeah. So, my track coach, Coach Mark, who's actually one of the most encouraging people I've ever met in my life, he used to have us run what we called hills, and so there was this hill down close to the school that was about a quarter mile all the way to the top, and it was like straight up. And Coach Mark would get to the top of the hill, and we could barely see him down there, but he would raise his arms, kind of like Moses, <laughs> and then he would drop his arms when it was time for us to run. Okay? And so, uh, and so he would stand there at the top of the hill, and we'd start trucking up the hill, and we were like, are we going to live through this or not? And Mark was the finish line. But now, he would do something very, very discouraging. And I'm still working through it. But uh, as we would get to the top of the hill, he would start running backwards. He would keep making the finish line go further and further and further away. And I was like, would you stop moving, coach? You're supposed to stay still. You know, in each of our lives, there are these hills that we are trying to climb and along the way, you're going to meet some discouragers. Those people that say, you know, you're never going to make it. You're doing it all wrong. And they're always going to try to place you in a situation where you're on the outside looking in, and they're inside the circle of approval, and you're not there. How does that make you feel? Horrible. Nobody likes discouragement. The church at Colossae had been invaded by theological discouragers. Let's look at the story beginning in verse 1 of Colossians. <laughs> what up? Paul, somebody's phone went off. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. So this is written by Paul to a church in the city of Colossae. The Colossae church, or the Colossian church, was started by two individuals, Epaphras and another guy that you may have heard of because there's a book in the New Testament named after him, Philemon. Now, what's interesting about these two men is both of these men were what we call laymen. They had come out of the church in Ephesus where they had come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. 
that church had been founded on the gospel, and they felt like that God was leading them, and the church felt like that God was leading them to start a new congregation in Colossae. Now, this is important that we as a church understand that church planting is a beautiful thing. In fact, it's a New Testament thing, and God calls churches to plant churches. Over the years, we have been blessed to help some new churches get started. However, one thing that we need to be mindful of is that new churches are supposed to start from unity of vision, not from division. And this particular church started out of a unity of vision that said the gospel needs to continue going out so that the people in Colossae can hear the message of Christ as well. And so the church at Ephesus found two men, Philemon and Epaphras, and they helped start the church in Colossae, blessed by the mother church from Ephesus. And things were going great. The Apostle Paul, who was a seasoned missionary, a seasoned church planter, helped that church get started. And people became believers, and they were growing in their faith. And then suddenly into this beautiful church moved some discouragers. They were the Gnostics. Now, the Gnostics had a belief that Jesus was good. He was our example, but he was not really God's son. He was an emanation of God. And so Jesus kind of represented an example for us all to be like. And the Gnostics would teach that you can't really know God here on earth. What, what you need is a deeper spiritual knowledge. And so they emphasized the spiritual and de-emphasized anything that was matter. So matter is bad in the Gnostic view. And one of the things that they came with is this idea that it's good for a person to trust in Jesus, but you need Jesus plus something in order to really find God's love, in order to find salvation. Always be careful of that. There will be discouragers that move in. There will be theological diversions that come across your path that say, hey, it's wonderful that you trust in Jesus, but you also need to follow these rules, or you need to do this, or you need to experience this uh, sacrament, or whatever it might be in order for you to really be right with God. And that's what the Gnostics had done to the church there in Colossae, and they had caused a lot of discouragement. And so as Paul writes to them, he's trying to, A, fix the theological problem, but B, encourage them. And so he says in verse 3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Now, from where did Paul write these words? He was under arrest in Rome. Interestingly, he had never actually been to this church. Uh, it wasn't a huge church. It, it, it didn't have multiple campuses. It didn't have an indoor pool in the children's area. There was no television ministry. There was no celebrity musicians. This was just a church that was meeting every week in Colossae trying to do the work, and they had a reputation. And what was their reputation? It was one of encouragement. And so as Paul writes to them, he says, you know, every time... I think about you. Every time I pray for you, I thank God. 
it makes me grateful. In verse 2, he, he remembers that there are some faithful brothers and sisters. That there are some people in this church that week after week, day after day, are desiring that grace and peace will abound. And they're also promoting this in their relationships and in their community. That through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can experience grace and peace. So as we sit here today, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, there's three big questions that I want us to wrestle with today. If your mind has already wandered, come back to me, okay? Here's three questions we can, we can wrestle with today. Question one, how does a church become a source of encouragement? And here's something I also know, just as a side note on this, is that probably a lot of us in the room have a church story that's happened to you along the way something that caused you to be discouraged. And church ought to be a place of encouragement, should it not? Question, by the way, we won't tell the stories, but just how many of you have a church story that if we had to tell it, you could tell it some, sometime where you've been hurt or wounded or discouraged in church? Go ahead. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're getting there. Okay, all right, glory. Question two. How do you personally become a person of encouragement rather than discouragement? And then I have a little side question for you today. What kind of person do you want to be at Thanksgiving? <laughs> when the whole family gathers and the turkey served and all, who do you want to be in that setting? What kind of person do you want to be? So let's look at the next few verses in search of some answers. Let's look at verse 4. For we have heard, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Zero in here on this idea. For we have heard of your faith. Their faith was something that drove people to encouragement. Faith is an unlocking word in Christianity. So if you look at Romans chapter 3, from faith flows righteousness. In Galatians chapter 3, from faith flows this idea of adoption into God's family. When we trust in Christ in faith, we are welcomed into the family of God, adopted as children into God's family. From faith flows adoption. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, we see an entire chapter on testimonies of faith. And we see that how through the faith of imperfect people, God produced victory after victory after victory so that there are a cloud of witnesses that surround the believer that testifies to the fact that God is faithful and that we as worshipers of God are called to place our faith in him. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, we see that from faith flows power. And here in Colossae, we see that from faith flowed a love not just for themselves but a love for all the saints hear me on this a natural overflow of faith in Christ is supposed to be love did you catch that a love for others when our faith is in Christ it's going to lead us to care about people uh, one of the ministries that I like to 
partake in is trying to encourage pastors. And so every week I try to send texts and notes to other pastors, encouraging them along the way. A few, a few years back, uh, I had a friend, he was an older pastor, really good man, just a really good man, loved his church, was faithful, preached the word, cared for people, but he, he didn't really look pastoral. He didn't really have the mannerisms. And what happened to him, he, he started getting attacked by some people in the congregation. They started saying things about him and wound up kind of pushing him out of the church. And I remember talking to him over lunch one day, and he was just so hurt. Just so hurt. And it almost destroyed the church. And it's a common story. Pastor after pastor that I talked to, thinking about quitting ministry. By the way, I'm not quitting anytime soon. You're stuck with me. If you don't like the preaching here, I don't know. It's going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> but pastor after pastor, thinking about quitting ministry. And beyond pastors, as I talk to people, I, I hear these church stories where church has become a source of discouragement rather than encouragement. And I have to ask this question, how does this happen? How does the church move from being what should be the most encouraging, loving place on earth to what is often extraordinarily discouraging, a place that for some even elicits like stress when you think about walking in the door. And I think one of the beginning places of this is misplaced faith, that what can happen in a congregation or in an individual's life is that we start placing our faith in someone or something other than Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when we start placing our faith in something other than Jesus? We start thinking that everything belongs to me. And within the context of church, we can even start thinking that the church belongs to me. This place is family-owned and operated. You know what else begins happening? Love doesn't flow outward. When we start getting wrapped up in the tentacles of selfishness, rather than our love flowing outward, we start becoming very inward-focused. A grateful church desires to share the gospel with the community. A grateful church has a heartbeat that longs to see people come to Christ. A grateful church has experienced the grace of God in their own lives, and they don't hoard that grace. They share it. An entitled church hoards the gospel as if it were a benefits program. It's very easy for us to take something like faith that is meant to overflow our lives and turn it into self-help with just a little twist of Jesus. And instead of opening the Word of God and swimming into the depths of its truth, we start looking for little therapeutic sermons. Jesus becomes like a Red Bull. Just gives me enough energy to make it through the next five hours, man. Okay, so hear me on this. Misplaced faith turns the faucet of love 
to the off position. When our faith starts turning into ourselves or turning on to things that are temporary, love and hope cease to flow in our relationships. And the end result becomes that people are empty, fearful, and distant. But the reverse of this is that well-placed faith turns the faucet of love to the on position. And then love and hope can flow generously in our relationships. And the end result being that people are filled with encouragement, thanksgiving, and joy. And so Paul writes to this church and he says, I thank God for you. And the reason that he thanks God for them is because their faith is in Jesus. And this faith that they have in common is leading them to a genuine love for one another. The people in this room are much different from each other. Each of you have different talents, gifts, perspectives, experiences. But you know what we have in common? Our faith in Jesus Christ. There might even be some Vikings fans in this room. (laughs) But we have Jesus in common, right? We can be different and yet still have common ground in the Savior. And when grace 